Well, greetings and welcome to the dividing line. A little bit easier for me to do today because I've got somebody else to take care of all the, uh, you know, the menial labor, just the little stuff, you know, that's, uh, <laughs> uh, I, I know, you know, Rich was just off, uh, you know, relaxing and sunning himself and stuff like that all last week. Actually, he didn't do any of that stuff. Um, which is why I don't bother with vacations. Vacations are exhausting. Um, just, just stay You've got eternity to rest, you know? I've just never really quite gotten how that works. But, hey, if if uh, Apologia didn't have a, a, a two-week forced sabbatical rule for the full-time guys, I'm, I'm not a full-time guy, so it doesn't apply to me, but uh, I wouldn't have gotten to preach this past Sunday. And um, if you haven't uh, caught that or have interest in that, it really... Uh, I hope no one minds. I, I I was primarily preaching to our own folks. I think that's sort of appropriate, sort of sort of how preaching has always been done down through the ages until cameras invaded uh, our space. But um, spoke from Revelation chapter two and uh, abandoning your first love, uh, the uh, the epistle to the church at Ephesus, and uh, it's a tremendous uh, text, and I hope it. If you get a chance to listen to it, you'll be edified by it. But I'm just sitting here, and I, I just discovered um, that uh, my son-in-law, Eric, was on Apologia Radio. And the funny thing, this you know how old I'm getting and how slow I'm getting these days? Um, they gave a response to the Theocast guys, and I had only just recently gotten that episode downloaded and put into my to-be-listened-to list. I just can't get to there's there's too much. I can't get to everything at any type of pace anymore. And um partly cuz I'm not spending nearly as much time on the bike uh as I used to. I used to spend, you know, 11 12 hours a week and now I'm doing about 8. Um and most of it's not outdoors. So it's not necessarily getting as much listening time in. So anyway, uh so now I don't have to respond to that. <laughs> An episode. I can take that out of the list because somebody else did. Now I have to listen to their response, though. Uh, but yeah, um, with this next trip coming up, I'll have plenty of hours on the road to catch up on everything, I would assume, uh, since we're going all the way up to Eli, Minnesota. What, 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 what? Do you remember how to do this? So, yeah, I, uh, let's do that. Hey, um, I have received phone calls regarding your pronunciation. That is Ely, Minnesota, and and they they're apparently rather sensitive about this, and so uh, it is is Ely, Minnesota. At the same time, they really want to know where you're speaking, and so that's Great. that's what's going, going on. Ely, huh? Ely, Ely, Minnesota. Well, there's only three letters, and um, you know, uh, okay, cool. Um, so anyways, as I was saying before I was most rudely interrupted for irrelevant stuff, um, we're going to be doing a lot of, uh, of traveling, uh, driving all the way up to someplace in Minnesota. I'm not going to mention anymore. And, uh, uh, and then back again. Uh, so what's, what's, what we're doing strangely is I'm going to Colorado. I'm speaking there at, uh, Redemption Hills. We have the, a really nice graphic on the website, right on the front page. And I discovered most people don't bother looking for stuff like that because people are asking, where is it? Well, it's on the front page of the website. 
anyway, um, and then instead of staying in Colorado, I'm leaving and heading all the way up, like I said, to someplace in Minnesota, and then back again uh, to Colorado. So it's unusual to stay in the same place twice on the same trip, but that's how that's working out uh, on this particular this particular jaunt that's coming up very, very quickly. And uh, as soon as I pick up the unit, I, I imagine you're going to be heading over and there's going to be all sorts of stuff to do. Uh, yeah, rolling up the sleeves and uh, I got to get that AC running. And uh, I, I'm, I'm trying to figure out how much of the background you think is already peeled down to the floor. I I, I really wonder. Uh, uh, that, that's that's going to be one of my projects is getting that wall completely cleaned and uh, using some new stuff to try to get get that stuff up, and uh, I, I'm I'm just afraid that you're going to have to hang a sheet. <laughs> well, no. The the reality is, if if the stuff that I've bought doesn't keep it up there, then um, the next thing to do is you can buy the very same kind of background as a photo shoot background, and we'll just have to. It'll be a flat. So it won't it won't it won't go with the curvature, and we'll have to put it up that way. That's the well, only way to do. That's it. kind of what I've wanted to do is have something that we can you know kind of through a little tension put back there, and it's yeah straight flat and true. You that's know? that's that's the next shot. If this works, that's the easy way. Uh, if it doesn't work, then that's the only other option that we've got really is to uh, is to go that because I don't really think right now the cameras really see any of the curvature. At all, so it, it probably wouldn't people wouldn't notice, but it would it would be an extra thing that we'd have to be careful of while we're right. traveling. Right, the, the, the cameras strangely actually have a bit of a curvature in them because they're round. Right. So there are times when you look at that straight line behind you, and it's got a little bit of a bow right, to right, it. Right. 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 Yeah. Some of the photo programs, I'm I'm not high enough on that stuff to to do much with it, but they they. We'll fix that kind of stuff uh, and take the lens distortion out and all that kind of stuff, which is great. Anyway, so once I pick up the unit, um, we're going to have some work to do, and then it's off on the road and um, uh, lots and lots of stuff to do on this trip. It's going to be exciting. Um, It's not going to be cold, um, but it'll be warm. And Well, I don't know. Who knows what it'll be uh, once I get up to Colorado. Uh, it's been fairly cool. I was looking up there. It's only been the 70s and the highs and 50s at night. But it's supposed to warm, start warming up. It's supposed to warm up here, too, to a little bit under average. Uh, it's just been... There's been no summer so far uh, in in Phoenix. And I, I'm not I, complaining about that at all. I, I'm just waiting for the global warming crowd to declare victory. Yeah, yeah. For what? Uh, for having done? It's the windmills that did it. Uh, all those, uh, all the eagles were killing. All the whales were killing. Everything else. Uh, it's been worth it because global warming is over. Um, that's how it works. Anyway, am watching a lot of the uh, stuff popping up uh, on my screen, especially now that I have uh, TweetDeck set up. Lots of stuff going on at the Southern Baptist Convention. And uh, I'm only watching it from afar. It, I don't know. We'll see what happens at the end. But uh, I have a feeling I know where it's going to be going. Um, but I can't really make too much comment about it from there. 
I did want to get to a bunch of stuff that has been posted. One of the first things that, that came up a uh, day before yesterday, I think. Okay, no. This was posted June 8th, but I didn't see it until about the day before yesterday. I have uh, more than once spoken about Yuval Noah Harari, who is a Jewish atheist, secularist, futurist, big guy at the WEF. So when you when you imagine all the dystopian futures that you've read, 1984, Brave New World, Fahrenheit 451, This Perfect Day, whatever it might be, um, there's always in the background these terrible people. Uh, I actually saw a movie um, that you would go, you watched that? Yes, it was called Alita, Angel Warrior, Warrior Angel, something like that. And you go, why did you watch it? Because when I went to my normal place where I get spaghetti and meatballs, um, it was on the TV, but the volume wasn't up. <laughs> so it's one of those things where you're, you know, you start watching it and you start going, what's going on in this? I'm not really sure. And before I left, I said, by the way, what's the name of this? And uh, they put the thing on that gave you the information. I'm like, so I looked it up. Uh, it was really well done CGI, actually. Um, it was another, it just so many of these dystopian movies have this, like Elysium, you have the space station, and getting up to Elysium is what everybody wants to do. Um, and this was like a cloud city type thing. And again, there had been, except this wasn't, we we didn't destroy ourselves via the environment. Uh, it was a um, war with the Martians, believe it or not, uh, that created this one. But there was one sky city left type thing. And everybody down on the ground, it's your standard no law and order type. I don't know how to describe it, but anyway. Uh, they're all the same. They're all. It's all the same plot. And it's the people up on the the space station or the cloud city or whatever. That's no that's that's Yuval Noah Harari. <laughs> I mean, they could they could put him in any one of those dystopian novels or movies, and he would fit perfectly. He wouldn't have to put makeup on, he wouldn't have to change his voice. Um, he would just absolutely fit in perfectly in any of these movies. Especially when you listen to what he's saying. And the worldview that he is helping to promote through the World Economic Forum. Uh, and these people, Klaus Schwab does does view him. I mean, he is a James Bond villain. And this is his henchman. I mean, and and people just applaud them and think they're great and they're wonderful. And it's like, okay, all right. So Harari is a big exponent of AI. And no matter how hard you try, you are not, and I've sort of been trying. I have never used AI. I've never gone to chat GP or whatever it is. and Because I figure I'm just helping to train the thing. So why, why should I uh, help to train my future masters? Um, 
I've never I've never worn a virtual reality thing. You know, on the face where you do the the game stuff. You think you just well see I never I never have. So I am better I am I'm be, I'm more virtuous than you are. Um I've I've never you're trying to figure out why that is? Okay. No, I'm not. No. I've 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 never done that either. It, because you know, the new Apple thing, immediately there's some really interesting articles that I saw from non-Christians going, this will destroy mankind. And, you know, most people just look at it as, oh, it's just uh, just a new, a new thing. No, it goes beyond that. It, it, it is, and hey, you should recognize this because O'Fallon's been talking about this for years now. Um, but the, the the combining of the cyber, the digital, and the analog, and blurring the distinction between the two. And when you have people who have been raised within the secular system, they're made in the image of God. The secular system cannot give them reason for living. So they're miserable. And that's why they glom onto all this insane stuff like transgenderism and everything else. They're looking for something to give their life to. And you give them something like this where they can escape into a uh, analog digital combination realm. Because one of the things that, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get back to Harari here in a second, but one of the things, I, this Apple thing, they were showing you using this to be in digital meetings online and having conversations with people and stuff. And I'm sitting there going, I'm watching it, and everybody that they're showing isn't wearing one of these things. So how can you be the only one wearing one of these things? And then it points out that what it does is it creates a digital picture of your face. And so what it's actually projecting isn't you. It's your avatar. It's Avatar. And that's how the... And, and so even the conversations that you're having with people aren't actually with them. They're with a digital representation of them. And that's how everybody in the you know, Zoom meeting or whatever all have regular faces. They don't have these goggles on their face uh, because it's not really their faces. You're not really actually talking to them. And so uh, all this AI that is coming at us at warp speed. Once again, I've said this before, maybe there are lots of Christians who have written on this and stuff like that, and I just haven't seen it. I'm way behind the curve on all this kind of stuff. I'm slowing down. I get it. But we really, really need some well-thought-out you, you want statements that will have meaning down the road? Um, a Christian theology of a natural body and a natural mind living a natural world. Um, that's important. That's going to become really important. Because uh, Elon Musk wants to make it possible for you to have stuff stuck in your head to where you'll be able to start seeing the internet without wearing something on your face and interfacing with the internet 
wherever you are, anytime, at 10G speeds and stuff like that, right? And that's exactly where they're going. And there's a reason not to do this from the Christian perspective. It's a fundamental alteration. It's one thing to use a tool. It's another thing to implant a tool in your body. And I can say that, but we have to... There's there's a lot of discussion that needs to be taking place. And I'm not sure... If it is taking place, I'm not sure where it's taking place. I'd like to get involved with it if it is. Um, but... Uh, Back to, you know, so AI is heading your direction. Uh, AI is heading my direction as a professor. Um, and it is interesting, you know, couldn't AI teach better than a human being could? Uh, if you're only talking about data content, probably. But man, my best professors were not the best professors I had because of data content. They had solid data. They had salt. They, they knew their, their subject. It was the passion with which they communicated. It was the application. It was, it was the humanity that they illustrated in, in how they, they spoke and how they taught. And so these are all things we need to be thinking about. And so Harari obviously is real big on AI and sees AI as the future of of everything and that most of us uh, he would say already the vast majority of mankind is irrelevant. And once you accept that as a given worldview, there's Elysium. <laughs> okay? That's why the med beds that can heal any disease are only on Elysium and nobody from the earth is left because they don't they don't matter. They're they're a drag on the system as it is. And think about government entities that have a worldview that say that the majority of human beings are irrelevant. They have no meaning. They have no purpose. Uh, what are you going to do in situations like that? Well, you're going you're gonna, to you're gonna lower the world's population uh, by a long shot. Have to, right? Just got to. So you, you see the predictions of the massive downfall of human population that's coming. You know, the guy from the 1970s was wrong about everything. <laughs> um, just like the climate scientists are long, wrong about everything right now. Total climate scam. Um, 1,000%. But the crash is coming, and it's purposeful. It's very, very purposeful, because these people see no reason in having anybody with an IQ lower than maybe 140. And once you've got AI, what, what does it matter what your IQ is? Um, it's who you know, the elite. So anyway, here is... Um, now, did I... Uh, hopefully, we, that we didn't change where the sound was going. Uh, so hopefully this is going to work. But... Uh, here is the quote that came out of a, I think it was somewhere South America. Harari's being interviewed. Listen to what he says. It's only 40 seconds long. And then we'll, uh, we'll interact with it. 
um, AI can create new ideas, can even write a new Bible. We, you know, throughout history, religions dreamt about having a book written by a superhuman intelligence, by a non-human entity. Every religion claims our book, all the other books of the other religions, they, humans wrote them. But our book, no, 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 no. It came from some superhuman intelligence. In a few years, there might be religions that are actually correct. That just think about a religion whose holy book is written by an AI. That could be a reality in a few years. Their holy book is written by an AI, and that would make it correct according to him, because right now, none of them are, because he's an atheist, of course. Now, <clears throat> there's a lot of frightening stuff in Harari's thought. And the fact that he has such influence at the World Economic Forum is enough to make most of us go, wow, that's really, really bad. And let's, let's uh, try to do something about that. Exactly what we're going to do about it, I don't know. But I want to, leaving that aside for just a moment, I want us to think about what is, what is the current probability of a worldwide religious movement focused on AI? Just think about it for a second. What would be necessary well, you'd have to prepare the environment. And so uh, people would have to be taught that they are uh, cosmic accidents, that they have no transcendent meaning, that there is no ultimate purpose in life, and therefore they would have to be looking to the natural realm to fill in the big gaps and so they would have to be taught to honor and believe and, in a sense, venerate science. And if science begins to speak with encyclopedic knowledge and uh, offer, for example, a great medical advancements, because AI could very well result in medical advancements. It could also result in the exact opposite. <laughs> um, but it could. And so, everything I've been describing is what's been going on. So I think there is a high, high probability that you could see exactly this kind of a scientism-based AI oracle um, exaltation of artificial intelligence technology. Now, as we all know, AI is still a computer. And while the programs that they're developing and the processor speeds they're developing make it look like these things are sentient themselves. The fact is, they are programmed. They're given parameters. And 
what we know is right now you can ask AI things and it just gets completely wrong. Partly because of the data that's fed into it, garbage in, garbage out. Partly because of the obvious bias of the designers themselves. Google is Google, Facebook, whoever, they aren't even close to unbiased. (laughs) And so there are uh, prejudices built into the mechanism. But even laying that aside, I could easily see um, people who are disgusted with their lives, disgusted with the emptiness that secularism forces upon us. Um, They're living in God's world, but they're living in rebellion against that, and therefore there's fundamental disharmony in their lives. Finding a voice that speaks with constant wisdom. Um, I could see something coming out of that very, very easily. Very, very easily. And most of us have not given much thought. How do you, how, how would you go about evangelizing a devotee of the religion of AI? Might want to be thinking about that. Well, it's not here yet. It's happening awful fast. It's happening awful fast. And we're we're always on the on the back end of of the curve. You know, trying to respond to something that is now way ahead of us. I think it's something we might be thinking about even now. Uh how to um how to do that. Okay. The next thing I've got here, um <laughs> I oh um, a fellow by the name of Imtiaz Mahmoud. Imtiaz Mahmoud um, posted a tweet. I don't know how it ended up going across my thing, but. And I was like, wow, we really, really, really need to talk about this. I'm not going to be putting it on the screen. That's why I'm facing this direction. Again, this is the kind of stuff that is out there. This is the kind of stuff that is being uh, repeated over and over again. It's it's the kind of thing that it's a little bit like the the letter that ended up on the West Wing, you know, about the Holiness Code and you know, mocking God's law and stuff like that. These things take on a life of their own sometimes. I don't think this one will. But elements of it you'll find all over the place. This guy's an atheist, quote unquote free thinker. And here's 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 what he says. He says, um, We know that Jesus Christ was a fictional character created by the Council of Nicaea in the year three twenty five AD and modeled after Julius Caesar to pacify the poor in the Roman Empire. We know this to be true from independent historians born in the same time period hold no records, nor is there physical evidence of Jesus Christ and the twelve disciples ever existing in real life. Joseph Atwill, who is the author of a book entitled Caesar's Messiah, the Roman Conspiracy to Invent Jesus, 
asserts that Christianity did not begin as a religion, but was actually a sophisticated government propaganda exercise used to pacify the subjects of the Roman Empire. Most certainly, Augustine inserted the virgin birth, Jesus as God, the Holy Trinity, original sin, forced conversion, holy wars, all of which were adopted in Nicaea. I know, I know, I know. To hold on, I'm, I got to get it read. I, I know Augustine was long after Nicaea. <laughs> we all know that, but this guy doesn't. And there were many aspiring prophets wandering Judea during the occupation. If Jesus lived and was killed for overturning the money exchange of the temple, he would likely not have garnered any significant notice on the part of the contemporary Romans. If Rome hadn't commandeered and utilized the whole theme, the man would have likely have faded from history. To believe that Pontius Pilate was bothered to interrogate Jesus for claiming to be the king of the Jews is equivalent to believing the governor Abbott would bother into interrogating some psychotic homeless man spewing the end is near pure fantasy. But this scene is described in the Gospels because it was written by the Romans, and the Romans smell so sweet in the Gospels. It also supports Pax Romana, give unto Caesar what is Caesar's, or pay your taxes. So, there is... There is a S. Um, stupidity. <laughs> Artificial stupidity. Um, but it, it gets repeated so many times that it'll end up in your kid's uh, freshman classroom, either high school or, or, uh, or beyond. And so... Let's let's take it apart and just think about the the various errors. Uh, Jesus Christ was a fictional character created by the Council of Nicaea in the year 325 and modeled after Julius Caesar to pacify the poor of the Roman Empire. So everything that we have from before the Council of Nicaea, uh, all the way back to the Didache, um, Clement's letter, uh, to the Corinthians, Ignatius's epistles, uh, Trajan, uh, Papias, Polycarp, uh, the, the letters Pliny and Trajan, um, which were not Christian sources. All that material from the first and second centuries, and then beyond that into uh, Justin Martyr and his letters to the emperor, uh, Tertullian. Theophilus, everybody, up until the Council of Nicaea. Pure fiction. From 303 to 313. We have all sorts of Roman documents documenting this from before the Council of Nicaea about the persecution against the Christian church. Why would they be persecuting the Christian church if Jesus didn't get made up until the Council of Nicaea in 325? It is... It is you, you truly wonder how an adult could write this kind of utter insanity. Because anybody who knows anything about history at all knows that the statement is absurdity. He says, We know this to be true from independent historians born in the same time period. Hold no records, nor is there physical evidence Jesus Christ's 12 disciples ever existing in real life. Once again, you have to be so abysmally ignorant of history. If you ask for physical evidence of anyone who exists in the first century, there is none. 
And what would you define as physical evidence? I, I, I mean, these people are thinking that, well, we need to have some MP3 recordings or some pictures or something. 99.9999999999% of human beings that, that existed for more than a thousand years ago, we have no evidence of. You might find some bones someplace, and I could find Jesus' bones for some strange reason, but that's all you've got. You don't have anything else. The vast majority of, of human population has lived and died without leaving behind their names and social security numbers. And so we do have material such as Pliny um, making reference to this Christian movement at a very early, early period of time. So it's just not true. But there's very little discussion outside of Josephus of the history of what's going on in that backwater part of the Roman Empire to begin with. There may have been other historical records, but the vast majority of historical records don't exist anymore either. So it's just this kind of mythicism is fantasy. And it only is able to exist because of the ignorance of the internet populace that has never been forced to do serious historical study of anything on any context. Uh, and then, you know, Joseph Atwell, right. Um, it was a sophisticated government propaganda exercise used to pacify the subjects of the Roman Empire. The best subjects of the Roman Empire were Christians. Even the Romans recognized these were people who, even though they thought they were very strange and weird, they took care of their families, and they adopted children, and they cared for the poor, and um, pacified the subjects of the Roman Empire. That's why they're persecuting them. And, and, and empire-wide, from 303 to 313, that, that's why there were periods of persecution before that that were extremely widespread and prevalent and they they this the Roman Empire was persecuting people for following what the Roman Empire had made up the persecution had ended 12 years before the council of Nicaea none of this makes a lick of sense it just it just makes you sit there and go why why would anybody ever write this it, it then again look at what's going on in the United States right now then you have, most certainly, most certainly, you just have to be confident. Augustine inserted the virgin birth, Jesus is God, the Holy Trinity, original sin, forced conversion, and holy wars, all of which were adopted. And I see <laughs> I, I'm sorry. It is just, it's so hard when, when you have this kind of comical fiction. Then again, how many copies of the Da Vinci Code? You want to get a little bit more of, of, of Luther in there? Uh, okay, all right. And what? And the lava lamp. Okay, all right. Just just I just saw the camera panning out a little bit, and I just... It's fine with me. You can see the back of my monitor and stuff like that. I'll start putting stuff, messages on the back of the monitor and see if anybody sees that. Anyway, um, everything mentioned here um, you can trace to the New Testament period, obviously, the Trinity, Jesus is God. Uh, you know, the, this is this is Da Vinci Code level 
fiction that is astonishingly bad and so easy to refute. I was going to pull it up and I and I forgot to do it. But I don't know if any of you remember years and years and years ago when the Da Vinci Code was extremely um uh popular. I mean, when I was flying back then, every airport gate I went to, somebody was sitting there reading the Da Vinci Code. And so I started doing presentations on it and one of them was from the uh P72 the papyrus that Rich and I saw in uh, Denver, Colorado in 1993. My goodness, that was 30 years ago this summer. That was 30 years ago this summer. What? I th- it might have been June. Yeah, it could be exactly 30 years ago. It's probably right, right around spot on. 30 years ago, we were sitting at a Winchell's Donut place in Denver, Colorado. And I was doing something I almost never do. I was reading the newspaper. I think maybe it had been left like left on the table or something because we don't, we don't, I don't, I'm not. But yeah, I don't think so. And I had seen something about the papal visit and I'm reading it and I'm like, we're going to the papal treasures exhibit. And he's like, what? I said, we're going to the papal treasures exhibit. Look. And I handed the paper to him. And it said that they had a page from P-72 on display there in Denver. And I knew what that was. P-72 is the earliest handwritten manuscript we have of First, Second Peter and Jude. And uh, so, you know, you've never, I don't know if you ever heard, I, I tell this story all the time. And, I mean, I have now for 30 years. <laughs> but <coughs> but it's true. It was one of the first things on display as soon as you walked in. And I just started slobbering on the glass. I mean, I'm, I'm going, oh, look at all the Nomina Sacra. And, and I'm doing all this stuff. And I'm wishing I had my Nessial and Greek New Testament with me. And... Uh, you know, people would come up and they'd, they'd look at it and then there's a description up on the wall, but then they'd see me sitting there talking about this, talking about that, and I'm ignoring everybody else. And they look over at Rich and they go, can he read that? And you'd go, yeah. And they're like, look at this, Harold, this man's reading this ancient manuscript. And people started gathering around and, and the, the security people are starting to look at us. And so Rich drags me off to go look at a tiara or a diamond someplace and then right back again we go till they finally said we need to move on um so i've told the story over and over again that's the page that i use in my presentations i blow up the because it like i said it's the end of first peter the beginning of second peter second peter 1 1 you have a granville sharp construction that identifies jesus as our god and savior jesus christ so i blow that up i make that come real forward and get big on the screen and i'm like remember this was written 125 years before the Council of Nicaea. Here you have the deity of Christ being presented over a century before the Council of Nicaea, long before Constantine was a gleam in his daddy's eye. And so it's so easy to document the utter foolishness 
of the Da Vinci Code. Well, it was fiction. Yeah, but everybody thought it was true. This is fiction. Uh, Augustine inserted Jesus as God. Okay, Augustine dies in the early, mid-fourth century. He may have been old, but he wasn't that old. I mean, it's not even close. It's so absurd. And thankfully, people added context and pointed this out um, on Twitter, which is nice, but still. Uh, all of which were adopted at Nicaea. Yeah, right. Uh, uh, original sin had no point whatsoever at the Council of Nicaea. Neither did Holy War. Um, so, yeah, that was just amazing. Just absolutely amazing. Um, the rest of it, again, hey, Pontius Pilate, for example, we know that he did exist from Roman records. And we know that any... Basically, getting sent to represent Rome in the ancient nation of Israel was suicide. I mean, try, there is no way to keep all of the warring groups happy with each other. Just couldn't do it. So you're going to get you're going to get yours one way or the other, and Pontius Pilate uh, did. Um, but given the time frame, and of course he ignores Pont- Pontius Pilate's just one person. Herod was involved. The Jewish leaders were involved. This was all going to lead to what was going to happen in AD 70 as it was. Um, and so, again, completely and utterly disconnected from reality. Everything that was said, the Romans smell so sweet in the Gospels. <laughs> right. Okay. Yeah, sure. Um, wow. It is amazing what people will believe who call themselves free thinkers. Um, there's only one problem. They're obviously not thinking very well, um, very clearly at all. Uh, okay. Let's. This worked out for the other one. So I think this is the best way to do it, actually. Um, let me see if I can pop this over here and uh, play it that way. Um, Someone asked me why this guy was sometimes speaking in um, German and sometimes speaking in English. And that is because uh, this is the closing ceremony of the German Protestant Church Congress in Nuremberg. I'm not sure why. I'm not sure Nuremberg would be the best place I would want to have almost any (laughs) meeting given historical realities. But the German Protestant Church Congress, now the German Protestant Church went apostate a long, 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 long time ago. Um, And the comment that I made about this was, um, this is why in the Christian nationalism discussion, uh, if you listen back to the last two sweater vest dialogues that I did with Doug Wilson, which were both on this topic. My emphasis, and he was pretty much in agreement with me, my emphasis was on the necessity of a worldwide movement of the Spirit of God to bring about massive conversions, true, not external, not nominal, 
true conversions of the heart is the only way that any of all the stuff that people people are talking about, well, we need to have Christian laws. We need look, you live in the world Christ made, and if you reject his laws, it ain't gonna work. Okay? That's fine. But the only way that that's gonna function is if you have a Christian consensus in the society that is born of the Spirit of God. And there are people who say, no, 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 no. We can do it with a minority and all the rest of that stuff. Well, here's the problem. When you do state churches that are primarily filled with unregenerate people, this is what you get. This is what you get. Look at Europe. Look at the state churches in Europe. I can't think of a single state church in Europe that is not apostate. I can't think of a single one. When I was over there, when I was in a number of these countries, what did I hear from the faithful that were there? The state church is not our friend. The state church is our enemy. The state church is the enemy of the gospel in this country. That's what I heard over and over and over and over and over again. Doesn't seem like we actually learn anything. So here's some dude. I don't know who it is. Um, this was actually, it looks like in, yeah, the 7th through the 11th of June. So yeah, it was just, just this last week. Um, here's, now you might have to look at this if you don't. Un- people are confused because he's speaking both German and English. Remember something. Keep trying to tell people this. And this is what's going to help my brother Jeff when he goes to Germany, is that the Germans speak better English than Americans do. <laughs> That's been my experience. It Very rarely have I ever run into a German uh, that was not an excellent English speaker. Now, they, of course, have run into a lot of Americans that are lousy German speakers like me. But they've never caused a problem about that because they're actually happy to run into any American who even tries uh, to speak a language other than English, uh, including their own. And at least I pronounce it fairly well. I, I have been told numerous times I have a good accent when I speak German. Anyway, so here, here's, here's our guy. Um, listen, listen to what uh, he has to say. Jetzt ist die Zeit zu sagen, wir sind alle die letzte Generation. We are the last generation. I'm not really sure what the context of that was. Um, but. Jetzt ist die Zeit zu sagen, Black Lives Always Matter. Jetzt ist die Zeit zu sagen, Gott ist queer. So I just want to make sure you caught that. Now is the time to say, God is queer. That's what he's, that, I think it's a he. Sort of hard to tell. I think it's he. He just said, God is queer. Now is the time to say, God is queer. Jetzt ist die Zeit zu sagen, we leave no one to die. Und jetzt ist wieder die Zeit zu sagen, wir schicken ein Schiff und noch viel mehr. Wir empfangen Menschen an griechischen, sicheren Häfen. Safer spaces for all. It's really confusing when you throw, because he's always making, he's clearly making references to a German audience, the German audience understand, then, then you throw in safer spaces for all. But, but here you have a state church 
And now is the time for us to say, God is queer. God is queer. This is what state religion separated from regeneration always devolves into. Well, okay, okay. Always devolves into. All right, let's be honest. We live in a day where we have hit new lows. (laughs) So a state religion without regeneration always devolves into heresy. In our day, it's devolving into such a level of absurdity that you have this kind of thing or you have what happened at the White House uh, day for yesterday with um, topless transgender people uh, running around um, the White House lawn. Uh, just depraved on a level that, well, any any pride parade would show you the same stuff these days, I suppose. Um, marching through all of our cities in every state in the union. Um, we we literally have made, you can take it down. We literally have made, um, Sodom and Gomorrah blush. Uh, by the way, we, we have been behaving. We, we really, really have. Speaking of which, um, that's Germany. Then uh, outside of Germany, I was afraid that was going to auto start. Outside of Germany, here in the United States, Notice that everyone but the speaker and the two people up front are masked up again. Here it comes again, folks. I don't know. I didn't. Didn't someone say it's all over? Uh, doesn't seem to matter. Um, you'll notice the people in the audience are all masked up. But here we have Richard Levine. Oh, that'll get you kicked off of YouTube, it, and it, it will. Uh, Candace Owens, everybody's been being kicked off YouTube. Uh, if you do not join in the transgender insanity, you will be kicked off of off of YouTube. That's just that's all there is to it. They're just they're putting their foot down and saying that's it. Um, you have to you have to ignore science. You have to reject science. You have to accept this delusion. You need to be delusional, like we're delusional. Uh, there can only be one voice, and it's a voice of delusion, and we are YouTube. Yay. That, that's what we've got here. Um, so here is Richard Levine, who pretends to be a woman, uh, and here's what he's saying. Gender-affirming care is medically necessary, safe, and effective for transgender and non-binary youth and adults. That is a bold-faced lie. That is a bold-faced lie. It is not necessary. It is not safe. It is not effective on any level. The mutilation of these bodies, I, again, am deeply tempted. I just don't know. I All I could think, there's only one place I can think of that we could post it. Or even stream it to talk about some of the fundamental physical results of the mutilation surgery of the human body. The things that people have to go through 
to maintain the fiction that they have bought into. Honestly, I think there are a number of people in the audience that would vomit at the, at the description of what people have to go through on a daily basis to maintain the fiction, the infections, the, the medical, the constant need for medical intervention, uh, disease, sickness, drugs, hormones. Never again. No, not a good day ever again of health and vitality. You're starting to see some of the detransitioners expressing what they've gone through. The medical community, which made hundreds of billions of dollars off of COVID and is making all sorts of money in this field as well, doesn't want you to know. They, they are your enemies. They truly are. The almighty dollar, which isn't going to be the almighty dollar much longer. I have a, actually have a uh, thing over here just in passing. Yeah. Kenyan President William Ruto is calling on African nations to stop conducting internal trade in the U.S. dollar. For 80 years, America's unparalleled prosperity has been built on the unquestioned global dominance of the U.S. dollar. It's taken less than three years for Joe Biden to destroy that. Well, uh, it's, it's started before Biden. He certainly has, this regime has certainly accelerated it. Um, but why, ask yourself the question. Yes, you and I in America have benefited greatly from the dollar being the international standard. They're going to other standards now, mainly China. Now that's going to come with strings attached that they can't even begin to imagine. They can't begin to imagine. Uh, There's great foolishness in going that direction. But the Africans, I think, figure, hey, we know what we're getting with China. With America... You're running your multicolored gay pride flags up on your flagpoles outside of our embassies and trying to force this on our people. And there is nobody here who has any interest at all. And you're trying to force that with your money? How are we supposed to trust you people with anything? You're a divided nation. And for all of your military might, you're losing that position because your military is now primarily concerned with DEI and flying pride flags. And the Chinese aren't. And the Russians aren't. And the Indians aren't. So why not go with people that will might be somewhat consistent 10 years from now, whereas you people are changing so fast we have no earthly idea. Why should they? And you and I are going to pay for it big time. When when the dollar collapses, uh, get get ready for $150 loaves of bread, because that's that's what we're looking at, and justly so. Justly so. When 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 you when you're flying that pride flag in the center of the White House, not below the American flag, not to the side, it's taken the place of the American flag. You've told the entire world this is what we're about. 
This is what we're about. And so this is why you have a guy um, pretending to be an admiral or something uh, lying, just lying through his teeth about horrific medical experimentation. It's just it's astonishing. So uh, when um, um, he goes on to talk about attacks upon everything that if you push back at all, if you say no, this is insanity, then you're attacking. They never attack anything. <laughs> the the hypocrisy, the double standard, is unbelievable. And I just wonder, Rich, will you will you get a not- notification when we get cut off? Okay, all right. Just 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 wanting, just let me know. Just just let me know when it when it all all comes crashing down because because it will. Uh, it's just a matter of matter of time. Uh D D D D D D D. Oh, the average. Oh, that was in 2020. Okay. I had somehow bookmarked something about the average uh, high temperature, and I thought it might have been relevant to... Uh, uh, I'm looking I'm looking at the, a quotation here from... Uh, oh, okay. Sorry. <laughs> I, I thought it had something to do with me. It didn't. All right. Let's... Um, oh, my goodness. Have we got an hour? Oh. Uh. Huh. I wasn't even looking at the clock. Sorry about that. Um. Well, you know, it it would be good to do this on Thursday. On Thursday, what I would like to do is... Um, I... What was it I was... Oh. Somebody was looking for... Uh, a possible debate partner, someone to debate next year. And I was looking for stuff for them online. And I just started to discover just how many videos there are out there of people taking snippets from this program and taking pot shots at it. And especially, of course, I mean... If if I if we shut this program down, if if I got into a traffic accident or something, and this program was shut down, uh, Soteriology 101 would shut down within two weeks because they have nothing to do. Go back and start over. Uh, I don't know. Um, the the man the, the the it's just astonishing. It really really is. Um, talk about living rent free in someone's head. And I, I, I just didn't, I mean, I knew that there was a lot of stuff, but a whole lot more than I thought there was. Anyway, uh, I ran across this, he calls 20 minute long videos shorts. <laughs> and most people consider five minutes to be a short, but anyway. And it was, it was uh, Calvinists cannot, Calvinists stumped. By Colossians 2.12. Now, now what caused me to go, huh, is, you know, I did did an entire sermon on Colossians 2.12 a couple months ago, but Colossians 2.12 isn't 
it, for most of us anyways, is not a um, soteriological text in the sense of the Ordo Salutis. Colossians 2.12 is key in the paedo-baptism arguments. Uh, Because having been buried with him in baptism, which you were also raised up with him through through faith in the working of God, who raised him from the dead. So, actually go back to 2.11. In whom you were also circumcised with a circumcision made without hands, in the removal of the body of the flesh, in the circumcision of Christ, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised up with him through faith and the working of God, who raised him from the dead. So, the issue is, Calvin makes a connection between circumcision and baptism here. Now, I think Calvin was wrong in his understanding of what the application was. And that, in fact, it's regeneration that's in view. That's the, that's the removal of the body of the flesh. That's the circumcision of Christ. That's the the work that Christ does. It's that sovereign work of God in regeneration. But then baptism pictures this, pictures this divine work. But somehow, and I don't even know if Flowers is aware of all that stuff. I've never heard him addressing paedo-baptist arguments or anything like that at all. But his whole thing is that you were raised up with him through faith in the working of God, and that therefore your faith precedes being raised up with him with Christ. So it's a he uses it as an attack on our understanding that the work of the Spirit comes first in bringing spiritual life so that we can then have true saving faith and tries to turn this text into an ordo salutis verse. And so he says, Calvinists have no answer to this. Well, we'll find out next time whether Calvinists have an answer to that. And I've already sort of given you the answer if you've um, been, lis- been listening to even what I just said just now. Um, in that in which you were raised up with him is in reference to baptism. It's not in reference to regeneration in the first place. So there's sort of your answer already. But... <laughs> we'll uh we'll play some of what, what is uh what he what he posted and uh respond to that. Uh I am seeing some interesting things here really quickly. Um Al Moeller just nuked Rick Warren from space. <laughs> <coughs> okay. I am seeing a couple references to I guess Moeller just spoke in regards to women as elders, and uh, evidently, let, let me let me go ahead and make this comment since it's happening right now. Okay, uh, so don't start the music quite yet. Um, I, I made a, I made a comment about Rick Warren a couple days ago. I don't remember when when did. Purpose Driven Life come out. Wasn't that in the 90s? I think it was in the 90s. And I don't know that we have much archive material from that period of time. But um, we did make reference to the fact that the Purpose Driven Life, while it had 
standard, normal, good things to say, you know, quote the Bible enough times, it was fluff. It, it, it wasn't, it did not have any, you know, where's where's the beef? Uh, you're, you're, most of you are too, no, don't remember that one either. Um, it was a great Wendy's commercial. Look it up. Look up where's the beef and you'll, you'll know what that was about. There was no substance. There was, it, it was fluff. Uh, Warren has never been an exegete. And the stuff that I've been seeing from him, I mean, there was literally, I didn't bookmark it. I'm starting to use the bookmark thing in, in Twitter now that I have TweetDeck set up so I can find stuff again. I should have book, bookmarked it. Uh, where he's going, there, there's, I, he, I think he's had somebody count the number of words in the Baptist faith and message. And said, we, we only disagree on one. We disagree on 99. We agree on 99.999%. We're only disagreeing on one word. Man. Or men. And, I, and I'm like, who could possibly be swayed by that kind of argumentation? That's like saying, that's like having a, a Mormon um, trying to apply for position at a Southern Baptist seminary and going, we agree on 99.999. It, it's just, we just agree on one word, Trinity. I, I mean, who buys this kind of stuff? The, 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 more, I, the more I listen to... Um, wow, Bart Barber has been reelected as president of the Southern Baptist Convention. That tells you everything you need to know right there, basically. Huh? Uh, yeah. Well, okay. That's uh, Rich will be doing a uh, a um, a new feature of the dividing line called uh, Rich's Insights all by himself uh, very soon, um, explaining his his uh, perspectives on the Southern Baptist Convention. Come out, be separate. And there it was, and there it's done. Um, so that's his that's his view. Uh, <laughs> but anyway. Uh, it, it's a, it's amazing to me what Warren is allowed to get away with. And they do have women pastors. They have for a long time. And this is a, again, it's a dividing line. Historically, when you look at what they've literally been trying to find is some denomination that has women pastors that isn't going liberal. Well, the Assemblies of God does, and um, uh, the Salvation Army does, and they haven't gone liberal. And, and, and it's like, okay, can we talk about the United Methodists? Can we talk about LCMS? Not Missouri Synod. Um, ELCA, sorry. El, sorry, Missouri Synod, guys. Um, ELCA, PCUSA, um, the Anglican Church as a whole. Uh, which is why people are breaking off from it. They have to have to be breaking off from it. There's been a huge division just in, just last month, where a majority of the Anglican community told the Archbishop of Canterbury to um, stick it in his ear, basically, and they needed to. They had to. They were going to start doing same-sex uh, marriage blessings, and you know the Anglicans in Africa aren't going there. God bless them. And the Anglicans in Sydney aren't going there, but the Anglicans in Brisbane and Perth will. Uh, so there you've got the divisions in Australia itself. But anyway, uh, historically, this is 
This is how it happens. This is where it goes. And when Saddleback was put out, I wondered the time, is, is this not purposefully to bring this up and and get the, the, the desired result? And the Scottish realist in me says we're seeing what's going to happen uh, in the convention right now. We saw it last year and we saw it the year before that. And um, I'd be interested in knowing what the vote was. But anyhow, it's, 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 sad. it's sad to observe. All right. <clears throat> With that, we, uh, Lord willing, will be back on Thursday here on The Dividing Line. Thanks for watching. We'll see you next time. God bless.